It's all right. You'll find it next week when you don't want it. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I, I'm positive I copied it. Yeah, there we are. I found it. They're not my best headlines, but I've got them. You've got them. Yeah. This is... It's trying to also make sure things ain't out of date because, you know, there's like a 24-hour lag as well. From not only that, it, absolutely right. And also, I mean, there's a, a classic example of information this week. The sele- select committee had a meeting. Stuff happened before ahead of the select committee meeting. Then the, they had a meeting. Stuff happened during the course of that meeting. And then a day later, as you say, 24 hours later, the whole news had been turned upside down. So, yeah, I take your point. I have got quite a lot this week, by the way. Um, But I'm going to send you the music first. But I tell you what, the the one you just played of Dionne Warwick, that is nice. It was like a breath of of fresh air when you played that. I haven't heard that for years. That was nice. So, yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with Dave, right, the first song I wanted to write, song, 45, right, okay, okay, I've got three options for you with 45, okay, and I wanted just to go through it with you, because 45 Presidents of America, and it's sung by somebody called Wainwright? Rufus Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright. Rufus. No, 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 no. It's no, no. It's 45. No, it's, it's called the 45th president. And it's all the silly. Hang on now. Where, let, me, let me make sure. Well, let's start with the first one. There's a song called Maybe, Maybe I'm Immune. Start with that one first. Just play it because I, I need your. Oh, is there three songs in the file? Yeah. Oh, hang on. I've got a, the first one. Because you might come to a, a, um, a decision in your mind very quickly. But I need help over this one. John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy That's a list of all the presidents. Andrew Jackson, Martin Van what YouTube hole did you fall in <laughs> to find this? Oh, God. William Harrison, John Tyler, James Polk, Zachary Taylor, Miller. This is like someone made this on their Argos keyboard. <laughs> okay. Right, that was one. Then, was that 45 presidents of America? Yes. Yeah, okay. Now, you should try Donald Trump, maybe. I'm immune. I just left Walter Reed Medical Center, and it's really something very special. The doctors, the nurses, the first responders, and I learned so much about coronavirus. And I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. Maybe I'm immune, because today I'm feeling so alive. Yeah, yeah, just don't be afraid of the way I'm breathing. Maybe I'm immune, it's okay to go out for a ride with others trapped inside. This is my attempt at humor. Maybe you're immune to the lies my doctors tell you. The fact of the matter is, is that he's doing really well. Maybe I'm a man. Maybe I don't wear a mask because I don't care. 
science I don't really understand. <laughs> Disinfectant could knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside? talent that was some talent you like it oh, it's definitely better than the sonic there's a gulf of talent between those two. Oh, good okay so now there is one called shine down 45 i i found this song and i was quite pleased with myself Very given good, all that, that very good given all that crap that's going on that's been going on with that was a launch into 45 i would say no wonder Wasn't you were pleased with yourself i know yay <laughs> thank you clap, 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 i, I clap. love that word i absolutely love we're going to go go for dion what the world needs now yeah that's at the end yeah D- yeah the yeah, cool. mm-hmm. all right are you ready for show 45 yes, yes i am let's let's go to this week's Des and Dave. In America this week, ex-Trump DOJ official Jeffrey Clark is willing to be deposed by the January 6th committee as he faces possible contempt charges. Dr. Hotez see both Omicron and Delta viruses 
circulating in the US next year. David Key Johnson says Trump has become America's beggar-in-chief in his new book, The Big Cheat. Kevin McCarthy appears to be ignoring House Republicans making racist remarks and threatening the lives of House Democrats. Georgia election workers, workers Ruby Freeman and her daughter suing far-right conspiracy website. And finally, mass shooting at Oxford High School and charges leveled against the teen's parents. And in other news, the Omicron variant of COVID is leading to changes in restrictions around the world. Travel companies are calling it a hammer blow to the industry. The booster programs in most countries is now being sped up. The killing of Arthur Labinjo Hughes will now be subject to a national review to protect other children from such crimes. The six-year-old was tortured and killed by his father and stepmother after social workers found no safeguarding concerns. Emma Tustin was jailed for 29 years for murder and child cruelty, and Thomas Hughes got 21 years for manslaughter. All that on more. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> you can do the whole <laughs> thing, though. The, the, um, the word is healthcare. When I say healthcare, you can say that. The UK government has announced a new drug strategy, overhauling drug recovery and treatment systems. Measures will focus largely on diversion designed to remove drug users from the criminal justice system and get them into healthcare. All that and more from Des and Dan. yourself this week I thought it was so topical (laughs) thank you was epic this epic very good I'm impressed four marks a star from me oh thank you excellent there's so much gone on this week but we say that every week but truly like we're not even going to mention abortion the supreme court the you know like there was a lot of other things people can't pronounce omicron correctly like you know, Boris in his tumble down, Peppa Big part 17, like, you know, there was a party in Downing Street and when the whole country was in lockdown, like, it's just, yeah. And we're not going to mention those things. But what are we no. going to mention? <laughs> we're not going to mention those things. Not it's There is so much more 
important things. Well, I don't know that they're more important, but there's so many more things that occurred that's well worth mentioning. Um, and uh, one of those is the, the ex-Trump official, Jeffrey Clarks. Um, will he, he's already been deposed. There's a long story about that by the January 6th committee. Um, he faced them, supposed to have faced them again. He is, he's dithering about what he, his strategy is next, et cetera, et cetera. Well, isn't he now going to plead the fifth? We don't even know what he's going to do for certain because he's now apparently ill. Some legitimate illness is keeping him away. But I just thought if we could probably this week, unusually, just may maybe leave this to a report by Christo Avalis. Let him give us an intro into um, Jeffrey Clark's dilemma. Mr. Clark, Jeffrey Clark, more than almost anyone else except for maybe Donald Trump himself, played a direct role in the coup attempt, played a direct role to delegitimize the election. And he was willing to call up the swing states and try to get them to change their electoral college representatives. He was willing to put out statements that questioned the efficacy of the election, which would give more credence to Republicans in the House and in the Senate to challenge the results and give Trump's big lie more legitimacy within the mainstream media. He was the top lawyer doing all of this. And now, because he won't do the J6 committee, he won't go to them, he won't hand over the documents requested, he is getting arrested just like Steve Bannon. And again, this is a bigger deal than Bannon, because as big of a deal as Bannon is, Bannon hasn't directly worked for Trump for years. He worked for Trump at the beginning of the Trump presidency, and he was a major player in the right-wing media and in the conspiracy theories that helped to make J6 happen. But he wasn't a direct Trump employee on January 6th or in the run-up to it or after it. But Jeffrey Clark was working directly through for Trump via the DOJ. He was a top Trump lawyer directly employed within the U.S. system, answering to Trump, trying to angle a coup attempt to give himself and Donald Trump more power. So when it comes to questioning, you know, you can get something out of Bannon if he ever actually did go, if he actually did cave and go to the committee. You might get info from him, but it might be indirect. With Jeffrey Clark, what you dig out of this man will be direct info. And so him getting charged, him getting arrested, held in contempt, tr this shows that this man is in massive trouble and that some of these people are going to face massive consequences going forward. It also shows yet another example to those on the fence that you better cooperate or you're going to get arrested. We saw yesterday, I covered it, Trump's former chief of staff, after resisting for a few weeks on the committee, resisting their calls to testify and to hand over documents because they threatened him with arrest and because he saw Steve Bannon get arrested, now, surprise, surprise, he's going to testify. And many people are going to be convinced by this. And so Clark can hold out. He can go to jail. He can get a contempt charge. His career is already ruined. Maybe he feels he has nothing to lose. But when he does break, because eventually he will break, the dirt he has will make Bannon stuff 
look like child play. This lawyer was one of the coup attempt leaders. And just like all the other Trump lawyers, he's the canary in the coal mine for the trouble facing Trump world. Go on. No, no I was just going to say, apparently, um, um, oh God, what's her name? Um, Sydney Powell and Lynn Wood uh, already finding themselves facing hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal costs um, because they've apparently, and this is recent news, they've apparently lost their case. Well, remember Rudy Giuliani as well as Sidney Powell and the rest of them have got, you know, billion-dollar lawsuits against them for the, <laughs> the lies they told about whatever was the, the voting company's name now that's fallen out of my head. So one by one, they're beginning to fall apart. But this Jeffrey Clark story, I believe, is going to get rather intriguing. This was just the initial um, the, the initial position. This is how things began at the beginning of the last week in American politics. By the end of the week, things would change quite considerably, and we will basically guide you through the changes. Um, the, the, the next audit we've got is one, um, the next audio we've got is of, of Liz um, Cheney, Select House Select Committee Part 1. As the chairman indicated, in the last hour, Mr. Clark's attorney has told us that Mr. Clark would be willing to appear at another deposition and that he plans to assert his Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. If Mr. Clark believes that answering questions about his discussions with President Trump and others in November and December of 2020 and January of 2021 could incriminate him, and he therefore wishes to invoke privilege on that basis, the committee would certainly consider that. We will not finalize this contempt process if Mr. Clark genuinely cures his failure to comply with the subpoena this Saturday. It is important to note, however, that Mr. Clark is not excused from testifying simply because President Trump is trying to hide behind inapplicable claims of executive privilege. And of course, Mr. Clark is refusing to answer questions that are not conceivably subject to any executive or other privilege claim. Finally, let me make a larger point as well. President Trump continues to make the same false claims about a stolen election with which he has misled millions of Americans. These are the same claims he knows provoked violence in the past. He has recently suggested that he wants to debate members of this committee. This committee's investigation into the violent assault on our Capitol on January 6th is not a game. When this committee convenes hearings, witnesses will be called to testify under oath. Any communications Mr. Trump has with this committee will be under oath. And if he persists in lying then, he will be accountable under the laws of this great nation and subject to criminal penalties for every false word he speaks. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. What do you think she said that for? Like, there's a statement of the obvious. Of course he's going to lie. 
So what's she, what, who's she trying to warn? Dave, that must have sent a few tremors down somebody's, thro- somebody's throat. It must have sent a few tremors because she does have a rather bold voice and she is a Republican. And I don't think Republicans tend to say things um, unless they seriously mean it. So well, the thing I, is they've I, thrown her out now, more or less, didn't they? So, you know, she's now outside screaming and shouting with the bell, ringing <laughs> it, saying, hear ye, hear ye, you know, sod them in there ye. Yes. But the thing is, this Jeffrey Clark fella is quite interesting. So you didn't want to testify because you thought the communications was privileged. And now you're saying you don't want to testify because you feel you're going to incriminate yourself. So are you therefore implying that the conversations you were having with the then fake president, him, that you were talking about criminal actions? I'm getting a sense of Watergate again, Desmond. It's a wonderful state. Should we should we just just briefly explain what taking the fifth means? Because I think a lot of people are a little bit confused by that, and certainly I was initially. What's what does he now mean? It's the one above, normally above reverse. Yes, that's the fifth, <laughs> isn't it? And it's it's really it's what 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 do they call it? Is it the right to remain silent? Is that the expression that you against self incrimination? But yeah, basically you. But you can't just say, especially in this situation, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm pleading the fifth. I'm not turning up. I'm not saying anything." Every time they ask you a question, you have to answer with. And uh, the advice, usually you say under the advice of counsel, meaning you're, you know, your lawyer has told you that I, 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 you know, I plead the fifth, blah, blah, blah. And then they say, what's your name? And then you say, I plead the fifth and so on, because it's about each specific question. So they could say what time of day it is. Well, you know, how is answering that question going to, you know, so again, it's a tactic that can be used on both sides to show that you are using it incorrectly. And it's curious that he suddenly, from saying I'm not answering any questions, to suddenly saying he's pleading the fifth. And the question is, why? Why did he say this? And here's an interesting little scenario here. Why did he change his mind? So, and I think we need to look a little closer at his comments. And a couple of weeks ago, I believe, was the deposition. And... And his lawyer, Clark's, Jeffrey Clark's lawyer, just got up and left the deposition saying, we do not intend to answer any questions or produce any documents today due to executive privilege. And Clark said he had nothing more to say to the January 6th committee. After Clark and his lawyer left, the leading lawyer, who I believe is referred to as the chief counsel, who had been appointed to head the sixth investigation, said, let us continue in his absence. We came here to do a job. Let's go ahead. Let's put on record what we wanted to ask this dude about. The lawyer then put, he didn't use the word, <laughs> but I take a little bit of license to use it. The lawyers then put on record a whole long list of questions they wanted to ask. Amongst these questions, the chief counsel said, I wanted to ask him, that's Clark, about metadata in that draft letter that indicates some involvement with the White House Communications Agency, 
and the drafting or preparation of that letter. The January 6th Council said, according to the question, it appears that metadata contained in the file of the draft letter indicates that the White House communication agency played a role in its drafting. That suggests a previously unknown level of cooperation between the DOJ and the White House attempting to keep Trump in power. This is criminal. At the time, Clark had hoped that the then acting Attorney General, Jeffrey Rosen, because Bill Barr, the former um, DOJ, had resigned, and acting Deputy Attorney Richard Donoghue would sign the letter. He said, I think we should get it out as soon as possible. Clark wrote in an email to Rosen and Donoghue, but they refused to send it. So why has Jeffrey Clark invoked his Fifth Amendment? And I think we ought to hear at this stage from Bernie Thompson, very briefly, and Liz Cheney, and Adam Schiff, and they might provide a little bit of light on this. Obviously, he is aware that something went on that's illegal. And rather than be responsible and answer it, he's pleading the fifth. Now, the question is, did you participate in these illegal activities uh, in the White House? Uh, as you know, uh, he recommended uh, a process by which the elections could be manipulated in certain states. Well, that's clearly illegal. Mr. Clark last night indicated that he intends to invoke the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination, apparently because he believes testimony about his interactions with President Trump would tend to incriminate him and thus may subject him to criminal prosecution. Let's for the moment assume he's invoking the Fifth Amendment in good faith, which is to say he's invoking it because he believes he committed a crime. Doesn't that suggest that uh, Merrick Garland's Justice Department should be all the more urgently criminally investigating what Jeffrey Clark was up to and who he was up to that, who, who was with him and what he was up to? Well, Lord Sierra, I want to be careful about my answer to your question. Uh, I don't want it to be a basis for him to make any claim at his deposition on Saturday. Uh, but I will say generally that I think that the Justice Department ought to be investigating, for example, as I've said, the former president's actions in trying to overturn the election in Georgia. Any effort uh, to overturn a lawful election, as we, we appear to have witnessed with Donald Trump, ought to be investigated. Um, I don't want to talk more specifically about uh, Mr. Clark, uh, but, uh, but I will say, uh, according to his lawyer at the 11th hour, uh, he is making an assertion he did not make when he appeared before our committee uh, only weeks ago, uh, that he believes his answers, at least to some questions, might incriminate him. Now, the questions that are most pertinent here are ones that go to efforts to get Georgia to withhold uh, the slate of electors or maybe send a slate that doesn't represent what the voters in that state decided, as well as what uh, an effort to to similarly have other states withhold their uh, electors as well. I forgot about the Georgia one. <laughs> That's the one with, is it not Fanny Craddock? She's the old cook. That's Fanny, Fanny, Fanny Willis. Fanny, Fanny Willis. Willis. Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah, Dave, that it's it's all coming together. But isn't it's, there another second grand jury in New York as well that's been impaneled to look at all the Trump organizations, blah, blah, again? That's what I'm saying. There's so many things we are not going to mention this week, like him but, getting tested positive for corona. <laughs> Absolutely. Several days before and then going to the sodden presidential debate with Biden and, you know, sneezing everywhere. But we knew but, this. We knew. And that's from his former chief of staff in his book. Yeah. And Dave, let's not forget, there is. Jeffrey Clark covered this coup in Georgia. There's also a Mr. Eastman who participate in the similar efforts in Arizona. We mustn't forget that. Um, and he has now, he is now, Eastman has now taken the Fifth Amendment because he too thinks his action could face criminal prosecution. And they're not the only ones. There's also the case of Mark Meadows, who claims executive privilege. He claims executive privilege, Dave. But, but he's just released a book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh with, with information, the conversations he had with the ex-President Trump in his new book. He can't have things both ways. It's, it's wonderful how they trip. I, I um, coined a, a little phrase here, which I called it, the dramatic cascade of falling dominoes appears to have finally begun. <laughs> and what? it reminds, I, I saw this wonderful um, dominoes that were set up, really complex uh, um, arrangement of dominoes and, you know, how they triggered each other off until, you know, the final humongous order 10 billion dominoes all falling. And it's begun. The cascade has begun. And... Um, well, talking of cascades, we always like to hear the compilation from the Lincoln Project of what it was like last week in the Republican Party. I served with Kevin McCarthy. He's a tool. Anytime you give me a, a drumstick. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the best part. Hillary Clinton has been the single greatest purveyor of disinformation yeah. in the history of our country. It kind of still shocks me that she's roaming free, that she's doing interviews, that she's actually not in jail. And so it was his political views that led to you firing Linwood. A mixture of a little bit of that. And what else was in the mix? Just how he is as a person. And what does that mean? Uh, he's insane. I was getting into an elevator with one of my staffers, and there she is, Ilhan Omar. And I said, oh, look, the Jihad Squad decided to show up for work today. <laughs> By the way, folks, I've renamed the squad the Hamas Caucus. The line of supporting Donald Trump starts behind me. In 1917, as you know, we had the Spanish flu. Oh, I see you in the fifth row with three masks. Oh, Dr. Fauci, thank you for coming. Strangle that Fauci baby in his crib. Rip the band-aid okay. off. 
You took that cognitive test. I asked Ronnie Jackson, you got 30 out of 30. President Trump was still in office, by the way. We'd already have modified vaccines to deal with the new variant. Count on a variant about every October, every yeah. two years. <laughs> oh, I think gonna, yep, we're going to need a new uh, variant here. <laughs> My gosh. The vaccine is poison. We don't want the vaccine. The shot, which is designed to see how many people will comply before they bring on the actual Mark of the Beast shot. A real horror show. Oh, yeah. It's the best part. <laughs> Extraordinary. I thought Trump was anti-vaccine. But he's had the vaccine. <clears throat> Don't you remember he had the vaccine? Yeah, and but he he's announced it at one of the rallies and they all booed him and he said, Well, but that you was know, private, wasn't it? Private. No, no, he said it, he said it on stage. Oh, he did. Oh, Don't you remember God. he got booed. You just don't know what to believe anymore, Trump. You just you really don't know what to believe in these utterances. Amazing, extraordinary. But they've got it right. The Lincoln Project has got it right yet again. Oh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, just, it... the thing is they've only got a year left. And like it's and I say they meaning like the Democrats who currently are in charge of all three executive branches. And a year ain't a great amount of time to change stuff. You no, know, it takes not. long procedurally and they best hurry up with voting reform. Otherwise, they may never be in office ever again. Yes, that's true. But on the issue of the vaccine, um, Peter Hotez is an internationally recognized physician or scientist with expertise in, in what they call neglected tropical diseases and vaccine development. And he's really looks, his image is like this really quite dotty professor, but he's, you know, obviously quite a a knowledgeable man, and he discusses his predictions for coronavirus variants in the in the in the next year um, in America. And um, we've got a short um, a short uh, audio of him. Do you have the same sort of grim outlook that Moderna's CEO shared this morning? You know, the the CEOs of the companies for the last two years, when they make these statements, we always have to remember they're not meant for you. They're not meant for me. They're meant for their shareholders to jack up the stock prices. That's their job. But unfortunately, they do it. And without the context of 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 the, how this will resonate, Chuck, I don't know the answer, but here's how I think there's one possible scenario that this could play out if I could have a minute. And the first part is when you look at the sequence of the Omicron variant, it, in terms of its transmissibility, it looks an awful lot like the Alpha variant that the Delta variant first displays. So Alpha came out of England in, in, at the end of last, end of last mm -hmm. year, and that was the first big wave across the U.S. in the beginning before it was outcompeted by Delta. So it has a lot of features that look like uh, the, the Alpha variant, and that means that I think Delta is still going to be around in the U.S. I don't see Omicron totally outcompeting Delta. I think if you're not vaccinated, I think your biggest threat is going to be the, the Delta variant by far that's going to continue the the but the reason why omicron could gain some foothold is we have a lot of partially immunized people 
So if you've been infected and recovered, but not gotten vaccinated on top of that, I think you're going to be very susceptible to Omicron reinfection. And we've seen a fair number of reinfections in South Africa. So that's going to be the role of Omicron, I think, causing reinfection in people who've been infected and recovered but not vaccinated or maybe among the partially vaccinated, meaning they got one dose but didn't complete the series. The big unknown is what happens to those of us who got three doses and have that 30 to 40 fold rise in virus neutralizing antibody. I I don't have the answer. We're working on it in our lab as I'm sure Moderna and Pfizer is. I think it may not be so terrible. I think we will see a drop in protection, but I'm still, I'm more optimistic than the Moderna CEO, at least in his statement, that, that we may not need that specific design booster for the Omicron. But the bottom line is I see both Omicron and Delta circulating in the U.S. by by next year with those who've been uh, infected but not vaccinated getting potentially reinfected with Omicron. Mm. Oh, God, it burbles on. It's over 800,000 people that have died in America. That's high. And across the world, it's 5.2 million people that have died so far. He said a key, he used the key phrase for me in that interview, which is that the pharmaceutical organizations are about making money. And that they obviously will use their money-making powers to extract as much income from the vaccines as they're able to. Because already I know the cost of vaccines are enormously expensive. Some pharmaceutical um, organizations are charging a hell of a lot more than others. But it is about making money. And you wonder about the poor countries who can't afford to purchase these drugs. Well, China's announced this week that they are uh, buying, you know, however many millions and millions of doses for X country. So there is some. But remember, wasn't it supposed to be, is it the AstraZeneca one? There's meant to be like a... Uh, they are selling it to all the countries at cost or whatever it is. I lose track. There's so many different elements to this story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, we are all in this together. <laughs> whether or not big business wants to accept this, we are all in this together. We, you know, if 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 we can't contain the virus in South Africa or in any other remote part of the world, then there is a likelihood that you will come over and infect the richer countries. So maybe they're hoping that, they, you know, that the, the, the vaccines will probably immunize them. Well, <laughs> the thing is, I've been, I've been out and about this week, and it's funny, even on like public transport, you see a lot more people wearing masks, even in the shops, people really? wearing masks. Yes. 
Yes, wow. and this is the thing. So it doesn't matter what the government announces. People decide, I think, already what they're doing. And then the government comes in later and starts saying other things because already I know there's a Christmas party I was invited to that's been cancelled. Uh, we oh will have gosh. it at another time when we can have more fun. So pe- people make up their own minds. It doesn't matter whether, you know, Liz Truss says you can eat cheese or Pretty Patel says you're allowed to kiss someone under the mistletoe. That's good, though, Dave, that people are making their own decision based on their own assessment of, you know, what, how, what, how, how, you know, how the land, land lies. I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing. I've, but I see so many people not wearing masks. I, I've taken a few trips out this week, last week, and I must admit that I was a bit alarmed when you go into shops and to see, you know, it's, there's a clear sign which says, you know, everybody's required to wear a mask, but yet you see a lot of people walking around without masks. And I just, and the, obviously for for financial as well as, you know, issues of, you know, possible conflict, you know, violent eruptions or whatever, I don't know, people will fear. They won't take, staff won't take them on. Um, and they just, you know, just allow people to walk around. And, you know, which is... No, but even if staff did take them on, the second they're out of your view, so if they pull it down a little bit, you know, you know what I mean? True. So it's yeah. just an ongoing uh, thing. You know, you're allowed to take it off when you eat. I read some guidance the other day that says you don't have to sleep with it on. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> anyway, Dave, I'm go- we're going to move on because um, I, I'm curious in some Mask of the information you want to share. <laughs> <laughs> to share with us and in the, in, in the British summary of, of events this week. The big cheat, David K. Johnson, um, he's a Pulitz, Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter for the New York Times, um, and he's done so many things. He's hunted down a killer the police failed to catch, exposed LAPD's the, the abuses, caused two television stations to lose their licenses, over news manipulations and reveal Donald Trump's true net worth. Um, and he's, he's, he's just produced a new book in which he describes how Donald Trump has uh, fleeced the American people to enrich himself and his family. And he's referred to Trump as, the, as America's beggar-in-chief. And I thought that was a wonderful use of words. Um, and um, he's, uh, he's, 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 he, he, he's just come out and <laughs> made his views very, very clear. So that that's all I have to say on this particular issue. I don't know if you want to comment on it. Well, the th- like we say each week, we know already what went on. We're just getting yeah. more drip, drip fed, you know, this and everyone trying to make their, their little buck off of it. But um, It is true, well, isn't it? Well, the thing is, don't you remember the 6th of January Select Committee that, that's current, as we heard from earlier on, Liz Cheney and the rest of the guys sitting on it. That was meant to come to us some conclusions by the end of this year. We are yeah. on the 5th of December, so the end got long. So, you know, they don't want this to take much longer than it already is. But events, dear boy, events. Events, dear boy. And it's we've got another hours. one. We've got another one, Kevin McCarthy apparently ignoring House Republicans, making racist remarks and threatening the lives of House Democrats. Um, Really? What did he say? He has, it's not him, he's ignoring it. 
there are comments being made by um, let me just try and let me try and work out. There are comments being made uh, deliberately targeting Omar um, Talib. Yeah, we heard it in the thing. Yeah, where they said um, that was Lauren Bobert. Yes, and Lauren Bobert making um, remarks about them, but. What's key here is that apparently she made that story up. Apparently, Bobert made that story up. Ilhan Omar went like and made a press, uh, you know, had a chat with the press, and she was like, She made up that story. I was never in the lift with her. (laughs) Yes, yes, as you say, it's very, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, uh, we had some critique of it, particularly by Joy Reid and uh, uh, Washington Post columnist Dana Bang, who, who questioned um, Kevin McCarthy's um, suspected, rather, ambition to become the, the Speaker of the House uh, after, next year's, um, after next year's election. Um, and uh, he's just ignoring it. And what's really important, the, um, our favorite lady, um, um, Marjorie, uh, um, help me with her name, Dave. Um, Green, the malevolent mistress of malarkey, Marjorie. Absolutely, Taylor I was desperately that, trying that to. Clark. <laughs> she has made it very, very clear in her interviews, that, and she actually was interviewed by, let me see, Mark Gates, Matt Gates rather, and um, in which she said very openly that um, Kevin McCarthy, McCarthy needs her support. Without her support, he's not going to be elected as House leader. Um, and there is uh, quite a lot of debate currently about who really carries any weight in that, in within the uh, the House uh, Republicans. So that's interesting to watch that space. Um, the old adage says, "If you stand for nothing, you fall for everything." I think that's the current state of the Republican Party. <laughs> It's getting more complicated also because two Georgia election workers who became the target of conspiracy theories around the 2020 election are suing the Gateway Pundit. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're a far-right website that published false information about them as part of a sweeping effort to sow doubt about the integrity of the vote. Um, And... uh, Chap called Ben Collins from CBS News uh, reports on the on uh, the woman who's at the centre of this, a woman called Ruby Freeman and her daughter. And perhaps they might provide. It's a very short audio um, background to you know what what the current situation is. Yeah, you know, Ruby Freeman was a private figure when this happened. She was captured on a security camera in Atlanta. Uh, in a voting center. And what was her crime here? She took ballots from underneath the desk, placed them on a desk, and then started counting them again, as per the instructions from inside of the room. That's what was going on there. But to them, you know, to the to the Trump administration that was trying to find anything at that moment to say that there was fraud in this election, um, you know, they used the security camera footage to say that she was somehow cheating in the election. This was a suitcase that she had, you know, brought with her or something. And then the Gateway Pundit said uh, that she was a corrupt Democratic operative uh, within hours. They identified her within hours um, and they made her life hell. There's no other way to put this. On January 6th, 
as some Trump supporters were storming the Capitol, some of them are outside of her house. You know, they, uh, she fled her home at the advice of the FBI, didn't receive a lot of help from local police. But Trump supporters were outside her house with bullhorns trying to get her to come out. Her life was in tatters, and uh, she was a private citizen. Uh, that's how quickly things can change for election workers right now. Well, that's fake news for you. The Dave? That should have demonstrated and shown her to be innocent. They've twisted into, oh, no, look, she's moving ballots. Yeah, that's her job, to get them counted. <laughs> and this is Trump. This We have another clip of Trump talking about Ruby Freeman over 18 times in that now um, infamous call he had with George's chief election official, your friend, Brad Raffensperger. Raffensperger. Raffensperger on January the 2nd, and we have a short audio of that. She's a vote scammer, a professional vote scammer and hustler, Ruby Freeman. You know what was trending on the internet? Where's Ruby? Because they thought she'd be in jail. Where's Ruby? Um, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. That was the minimum number is 18,000 for Ruby, but they think it's probably about 56,000. But the minimum number is 18,000 on the Ruby Freeman night where she ran back in there when everybody was gone and stuffed. She stuffed the ballot boxes. Dave, I'm going to leave you to comment on that. I can't. I just, I just, I'm so appalled. Do you know what also came out this week? The fact that Trump didn't receive any CIA briefings for almost the last month that he was in office. Wow. So he didn't. And I wonder if that was a choice on their part. You know, don't, don't, don't you remember there was the general? I've forgotten his name now. Oh, the general who said we should read other books. Yeah. We should consider other ideologies. Yeah. We should make yeah. ourselves aware of things like, oh, is it Mark something? I can't remember the general's name, but it... it I can't remember his name offhand, but I know exactly who you're referring to. The system he held this time. Will it hold yeah. again? You know, and I think this is the problem, isn't it? You've probably got Merrick Garland at the Department of Justice, the Attorney General, not knowing quite sure, like, okay, our department did wrong. Who should we report ourselves to? Um, should we report ourselves? Because if the Department of Justice did criminal things, then surely those criminal things should be looked at. But they are the office that would look at those criminal things. So do you end up setting, you know, the what do they call it? A wall of silence where, you you know, one department is looking into the other. And I'm sure some of those people are still around, you know, some of the, the minions. I do wonder. I just said it, it wasn't ever supposed to happen, was it, Desmond? No. Never. You're not Never. supposed to have, you know, this is not the way the system was designed. Dave, I'm going to move on very quickly because I know you've got some more info for us. It's the mass shooting at Oxford High School and charges leveled against the teen parents, which is unusual because the charges, and this is a really rather long convoluted story, but I'm going to get to it in very, very short phrase, is that one of the things that really most upset me is that the, the mother, Jen, Jennifer Crumble of the teen suspect, apparently, when she became aware that the son could be using, they bought a gun, by the way. They bought a gun. The mother, father bought a gun for their son's birthday. And the son in a state of perhaps 
declining, diminishing responsibility, decided to take the gun into school and um, really participated in the mass shooting in which he killed four people. At the point at which the son's about to do it, the mother says to the son, sends him a text message, say, Ethan, who's the name of the, the young man, don't do it. But this and other extraordinary stories, rather complicated stories, or allegations, have been coming out very slowly. The boy was 15. He gunned down his class classmates. Um, and the parents are in hiding, currently in hiding. Um, but the intention is to um, is to to charge both parents um, for the um, for the for, for the for the death of uh, four four people four classmates and uh, I think seven who were seriously injured um, and uh, and um, the father, it's a long convoluted story. The fathers were, the school were aware that something awful was about to happen because they became familiar with some of the, the crazinesses that this young man was participating in both on social media network, but also in terms of the um, bringing the gun into school, asked the parents to intervene, the parents were very slow to intervene. And in fact, ultimately the belief is the parents didn't intervene at all. And the boy took the, the gun back. They didn't even search the boy, took the, the gun back to the school, did what he did. And the father is claiming that the boy stole the gun from the property, but that's not the case. They have um, evidence that the gun was bought as a birthday present for the boy. And of course he used it. Crazy. Gun control in America is, absolutely deplorable well, this is the thing with you know even and i said we won't get to mention it this week but like the majority of americans support the fact that you can have an abortion uh you yes. know and that they don't want the ruling overturned in the supreme court and the vast majority of americans would like some form of gun control but the various corporations and industry that make a lot of money from selling guns and weapons would rather it be easier for people to purchase them and you know buy one get another gun free <laughs> Dave, I think you've got a point there. But I must say, as a kid, when I was, you know, I went to America and you'd be in the supermarket and, you know, you'd see, okay, oh, it wasn't iPads then, you know, it's, it's too many years ago. But, you know, you walk them in your CD player and then in another cabinet is knuckle dusters and ninja stars and guns. And you say, okay, in the supermarket, like, you know, oh, I'll just buy my chicken dinner and get myself a semi automatic Glock. You know, that's a Friday night bit of fun. I just, yeah, this is <laughs> words. Thank God things. we don't have the same system here. That's all I say. I mean, can you imagine if people had access to, you know, lethal weapons in this way? And this apparently, the thing. It, it happens. It happens literally weekly in America that there is some absolute tragedy usually with a kid on one end of it and on the receiving end of it. And you just think you guys are, not, no one seems to be able to take the ball by the horns and say enough is enough. You know, there was the Sandy Hook shooting when uh, under Obama and stuff like it just, yeah. 
it's constant. Maybe we should look at that one week. This is. I just want to read you just a tiny little bit of this a bit of the story that I picked up in one of the press. It says the next day, the day of the shooting, the teen's teacher saw an alarming note on Ethan Crumbly's desk and took a photo of it. Um, this is the um, this is the prosecutor who's recounting, retelling the story, and she said that the note contained a drawing of a semi-automatic handgun pointing at the words, the thoughts won't stop, help me. She said it also contained a drawing of a bullet with the words, blood everywhere, and a drawing of a person who appears to be shot and bleeding. Further, farther down on, on the drawing, MacDonald said, were the words, my life is useless and the world is dead. This is on the day of the shooting. This young man has this. And, and also she spoke about, um, the uh, prosecutor spoke about um, the mother, said Jennifer, Jennifer Crumbly, that's the mother's name. She said if she exchanged texts with her son about the incident that day, saying, LOL, laugh out loud. I'm not mad at you. You have to learn not to get caught. After he's killed the people. <laughs> laugh out loud. I'm not mad at you. You have to get. No wonder these parents are being prosecuted. This level of irresponsibility is unbelievable. But as you say, this is America. Hey, what can we expect? So, Dave, on the British front, what is happening? I know it's busy. Well, the government is ever competent, continuing diligently and ticking things off its to-do list. Uh, one of the things they're meant to announce this week is a change in drug strategy. Uh, I don't know whether that will mean decriminalisation. Probably not, because they don't do that because of the various people on their side that won't allow it. But it's interesting that, again, a Conservative government is looking at something. I think they're just throwing anything at the moment. Just <laughs> They could do with a good headline. But yes, drugs problem is a health issue rather than a criminal justice matter. And the war on drugs, as we know from the days of Reagan, ain't worked. Well, if it ain't, uh, if it did work, it's still taking an awful long time. The drugs have won. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting they're now looking at it as a health model. But I'm sure you're elated this week, Desmond, with the reshuffle in the Labour shadow <laughs> cabinet. Your very, very good friend, David Lammy, is now Foreign Secretary. Oh, help us. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? David Lammy knows what to do. From Tottenham to Timbuktu. Oh, He's in the night. And then your I, other friend, I, who I know you're really excited about, Yvette Cooper is back. Yes, I, I, can't I, I her job is though. What's her job? Do you remember what her job is? She is going to be now shadowing um, um, the um, Home Secretary. Oh, okay. Oh, so that could be potentially explosive because she's a fountain of knowledge. I think Priti Patel may well find herself out of her depth with Yvette. Although I would like to see Yvette's husband make a return to politics. But anyway, that's 
What balls? Yeah, I think he's got. I think he's got unfinished business. Do you know what was interesting? He actually did a documentary recently about the care system. And, oh yeah. You know, it's and what he was trying to demonstrate inside, and he was kind of learning for him for himself is there is no progression route. It's all disconnected. It's all a variety of various. Um, private companies, charities, you know, with a lot of money made in between. And it's all very low paid work. There isn't much progression. There isn't a qualification in, you know, adult social care. Uh, and it, it it seemed very interesting to him because he was talking to a lot of young ones that were doing the job. And he was saying, like, well, where are their career prospects? We should make it something. Look, look at the way these people are operating. You know, it, it, it was quite heartwarming. But again, it's something we don't see very much in society. It doesn't make the greatest headlines, does it? No, no. So. But I think he's got something useful still to contribute. Um, and one of the things that very apparent in in the Labour front bench is that they don't have many very what I call what I describe as very heavy hitters. So I, I welcome the return of people like Yvette Cooper and I'm, I'm and David Lammy. No, not for me. <laughs> He's definitely not for me. Um, and um, I'm I'm hopeful of that. I'm, I'm I'm curious to know what kind of a job he will make as uh, shadow foreign secretary. Which is I think there's just a dearth of talent on both sides. It doesn't. It's just non-existent. I agree with you, but there seemed a little bit more in the 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 um, Tory party at the moment than in the Labour because there there are fewer MPs. I guess really it's part of the problem. But I, you know, I'd welcome the day when a little bit more brightest, but bright bulbs in both parties. Gone are the days of the. Alan Clark, is this Alan Clark? Um, you know, the Kenneth. Kenneth Clark. Kenneth, dear boy. Yeah. Alan Clark was oh, maybe he's passed away, I believe, if I'm thinking of the right person. But yeah, Kenneth. I mean, gone are the I mean, these were heavy. These the, this was a heavyweight thinker. Um, and we need more of those in politics. We really do don't need any more lightweights. Were they heavy hitters or just very good at the debating society? Because the thing is, I think the, the creed of politician we have now is they're all ex-special advisors. You know, they're, they're all, they're, all they've ever done is around politics. They don't actually live in the real world. You know, there was one MP this week that stood up and his name is not even on the tip of my tongue. And I really cannot be bothered to Google him because he doesn't need any more promotion. But he stood up in the House of Commons and basically said if people wanted to elect a racist, it was their right to elect a racist. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. God. Come on. Have you never watched the parliamentary channel? They're an awful... Look, the nutter from the week before, turning around and saying that... No, know, I mean, I... I, I committing crime because Doctor be so Who's now a woman. About it. But to be so public about it. I mean, the British had a you know, reputation for being a lot more subtle with things um and that that's crude to say that you know to put things especially in a a, a world you know where you know you know we're getting a quite an extraordinary mixture racial mixture of people and it's important that we all get on with each other i would just find that a rather insensitive thing to say this is the wrong maybe time. there's maybe there's an, an an argument for having something like the people's parliament 
you drag a load of people everywhere, a bit like question time, but you don't have any of the stupid panel that think they know what they're on about. You just have the sides, you know, and you say, okay, what are you here to represent? You know, X. Okay, cool. And it'd be quite interesting watching people demolish each other's arguments with facts. Yeah. You know, because it's about the argument. It's not about your side. Your side what? You know, you're just John and you're Maggie and now you're arguing it out with, you know, a sheik and, and Mo and whatever. Like, it'd be quite interesting, like a proper debate on the issue. I suspect, who is the foreign secretary for the, in the Tory party, in the government? Rab. Dominic. Rab. Dominic Rab. And I'm just trying to imagine. No, he's not anymore. It's Liz Truss. Sorry, he was. Oh, it's Liz Truss. That's correct, Dave. Thank you for that. No, that's correct. It was Dominic. Now it's Liz. And so we're pitting Liz against um, the Labour new boy, Lammy. Lammy. Um, yeah. I think I think he'll do well against her. You think so? Yeah. Mm, I'm not holding my breath. I the, the one the the one victory I expect to be had in that reshuffle is the Yvette Cooper um, Pratid Patel. Because Yvette Cooper is a definitely a heavyweight, and I'm so pleased to see her back in the Labour Party and uh, front bench, particularly, and which is, I think, in my view, where she belongs. She has great intellect, and I respect that. I may not always agree with her, but I do do respect that. As you say, it's the ability to argue your corner without, you know, encouraging factionism. Yes, make your argument and justify it. Yeah. Rather than, oh no, your mum. Anyway. So, Dave, what have you got for us at the end of the week? The end of the show, rather. Is this Warwick Castle? No, it's not Warwick Castle. Is Dion Warwick? Warwick? How would you say it? Omicron. I don't know. That's all from us this week because it is Dionne Warwick with What the World Needs Now. See you next week, Des. And you, Dave.